Tonight, a late-breaking scandal in Toronto politics. The mayor of the country's biggest city is suddenly resigning. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office. John Tory stepping down after admitting to an affair with a former staffer. The U.S. shoots down an unidentified object nearing Canadian airspace. And there was a reasonable concern that this could present uh, a threat. Just days after downing a suspected Chinese spy balloon. And freed after five long days, survivors defy the odds inside the quake zone. Rescued from the rubble. A Canadian search team answers the call. The timing just worked out perfect. We had the equipment that the guys that were going in needed. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, John Benavalli Rao. Good evening. We begin with that stunning news tonight. Toronto's Mayor John Tory abruptly announcing his resignation at a hastily called news conference after admitting to a months-long secret affair with a former staffer. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40-plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. As you just heard, Tory called the relationship a serious error in judgment. Let's bring in CTV's Adrian Gobriel at Toronto City Hall. Adrian, walk us through what happened tonight. John, an absolute bombshell here at Toronto City Hall tonight at about 8.30 this evening, right behind me inside the mayor's office. John Tory stepped to the mic, admitting that he had an affair. Now, the story was first broken by the Toronto Star. They say they, they had an affair with a former staff member who's 31 years old. Tory, 68 years of age now. We, we, it's also reported that they went on multiple trade missions together to the United States, to Europe. This news, shocking City Hall, the city of Toronto. Here's more of what Tory had to say. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold myself as mayor and as a family man. The relationship ended by mutual consent earlier this year. Now, Tory not taking any questions tonight, only speaking for a few moments, announcing that he had an affair and announcing his resignation. John. Adrian, following all the scandals at City Hall during the Rob Ford days, Tory was supposed to be the one who restored dignity at City Hall. What happens now? That is one of the big questions. Uh, you, speaking with some city councillors here tonight, they believe that there will be a by-election. You know, Tory was just elected in the fall to his third term. There's several years until the next election, so they believe there will be a by-election tonight. Tory saying that you know he promises that he's going to work on a smooth transition. He's going to work with the city clerk to ensure a transition of power. Though tonight, speaking with councillors, they're shocked. They're pointing out as well that, you know, if the timeline is correct, that this affair happened during Tory's second term and he went in for an election for a third term knowing what he had already done. All right, CTV's Adrian Gobriel in Toronto. Thanks for that. For the second time in less than a week, U.S. President Joe Biden has given the order to shoot down something suspicious in American airspace. The Pentagon confirms a fighter jet took out a high-altitude object this afternoon over Alaska as it headed towards the Canadian border. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malvin reports. 
The Pentagon scrambled F-22 fighter jets when pilots first spotted an unidentified flying object off the Alaska coast near the border with Canada. U.S. officials reportedly described the high-altitude object as cylindrical, and it appeared to be floating with the wind and had no observable surveillance equipment. This time not taking any chances, President Joe Biden ordered it shot down, telling reporters it was... Success. This was traveling at about 40,000 feet, which posed a potential, a reasonable threat to civilian air traffic. Enough of a threat to flying aircraft to shoot it out of the sky. They just don't know yet what it is. We're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. Uh, we do not know who owns it, uh, whether it's a whether it's state-owned or, uh, or corporate-owned or privately-owned. We just don't know. What they do know is the object was unmanned, much smaller, about the size of a car, and flying lower than that massive Chinese spy balloon. They shot at it. It floated over Canada and sensitive U.S. military sites and nuclear silos before it was shot down off the Carolina coast after seven days. The president under fire for not acting sooner. They've changed their protocol. They're going to do this from now on. This is going to be normal course of business if things violate our airspace. Tonight, Canada's Prime Minister weighed in, saying, quote, I was briefed on the matter by the Americans and supported the decision to take action. Tonight, the U.S. military believes it will be able to recover that mysterious flying object from the frozen Arctic waters, hoping to have answers soon on what they shot down. John? Okay, thank you, Joy. Turning now to incredible scenes in Turkey, where there are more rescues of those trapped in the earthquake debris. Some more than 100 hours. That includes a newborn baby just 10 days old, rescued after spending about half his young life in the rubble of a building. Emergency workers wrapped him in a thermal blanket. His mother was also saved. Canadian search teams are also helping on the ground. CTV's Tom Walters reports from inside Turkey tonight. They have come halfway around the world to save lives. Ten members of the Burnaby, B.C. Urban Search and Rescue Team have joined in an international effort. We're fortunate to be here and be able to help. Today, Mexican and Turkish teams needed help to determine whether someone was buried alive in the pancaked lower floors of this apartment building. We have a bunch of equipment that we use for looking inside voids and listening for any sounds. In Adiaman, a city that looks like it has been bombed from underneath. There are so many places to search, and on the fifth day since the earthquake, so little time left to find survivors. Here, even a sniffer dog seems to feel the urgency. So there was a sense of celebration today when a 65-year-old man named Nazim was found alive and remarkably well after more than a hundred hours in a debris pile. As time passes, scenes like this have become more and more unlikely. So this is a moment of hope, and a place that could use some hope. In fact, the same community saw two other rescues today. A 60-year-old man was pulled from the rubble, and guided by information from the Canadians, Turkish rescuers freed a young woman trapped in that apartment building. Most places we've been don't go like this, uh, so it's nice to get a win. Still, from now on, most days won't go like this. 
Already, people are drawing their own conclusions. When searchers shout into the piled wreckage to ask if there is anyone alive, and the only reply is a moment of silence. Tom Walters, CTV News, Adiaman, Turkey. So far, the catastrophe has killed nearly 24,000 people, injured at least 80,000 others, and left millions homeless. And there are calls tonight to bring refugees out of the quake zone and into safety in Canada. But as CTV's Judy Trin reports, our country's immigration system may not have the capacity to absorb a new group of people escaping a natural disaster. Amal Shwe's sister Zara is one of 3.5 million Syrian refugees living in Turkey. The building where she lived collapsed in an aftershock. They don't like bad because they're scared and the houses go down. Shwe has been trying desperately to reach Zara, who's now sheltering in a stranger's car. She submitted an immigration application for her sister more than two years ago. Her sister has already cleared medical and security checks. Shui wants the Canadian government to issue travel documents immediately. I can pay the ticket for my sister, just I want her to be safe, I want her to come here. In 2015, Canada created a special program to help Syrians fleeing civil war. Since then, 80,000 Syrians have settled in Canada. They're now pleading for the government to fast-track applications for relatives caught in the quake zone. We need our family to be with us here. We want to reunite. We want to unite with our families and and see that they're safe under and have a shelter and access to a health. We're gathering facts as we speak to understand the impact of clients who are in the system and figure out what more we can do. Canada has previously accepted refugees fleeing natural disasters in Haiti, for example, after the 2010 quake. But this immigration lawyer is skeptical similar action can be taken now. If you add capacity for this particular humanitarian disaster, you need to take it from other, some other place. And, and that's really not fair uh, to the others who are coming from, let's say, Ukraine or Afghanistan. At this time, immigration officials say they don't know how many applications have been impacted by the earthquake, but it's possible some people may have been injured or even died waiting to be processed. John. Okay, thanks, Judy. In Quebec, while many are still searching for answers as to why a bus driver slammed into a Laval daycare, killing two children, today one of them was identified as four-year-old Jacob Gauthier. Around 100 people attended a special mass in Laval to honor him and the other victim as well as the injured. A funeral for Gauthier will be held next Thursday. Fears that months of interest rate hikes would slow Canada's labor market were allayed today with the release of some surprisingly strong job numbers. Thousands more people joined the workforce in January, but despite that, the unemployment rate stayed steady at a near-record low 5%. As CTV's Heather Wright tells us, a fifth straight month of job gains is smashing economists' expectations. Very few saw these numbers coming. 150,000 workers back on the job last month. 10 times higher than what economists had predicted. It provides confirmation that the economy and the job market, not just in Canada, but across North America, is, is quite robust and resilient. The majority of the jobs added were full-time, with retail leading the way, followed by healthcare and education. The report has left some wondering how long the Bank of Canada's pause on rate hikes might last. 
it's safe to say they're probably on the sidelines in March. But beyond then, uh, it could be a close call if the numbers remain this strong. The report also shows more women are working outside of the home than ever before. 51,000 women between the ages of 25 and 54 found jobs last month, bringing the employment rate to 82.2%, the highest since data started being tracked in 1976. Liz Enriquez returned to work last year after having her first child. It was an easy decision for her, but can be much more difficult for others. Of course, there's like the emotional decision and all those other factors, but if it's purely financial, it's very clear that affordable daycare makes it easier for women to go back to work. The Canadian economy has been on an upswing since September, recovering all jobs lost to COVID and then some. 800,000 more Canadians have jobs today than they did before COVID hit. Well, this jobs report tempered talk of an imminent recession. Economists were quick to point out it takes a year to 18 months to see the full impact of interest rate hikes, which the Bank of Canada began in March of last year. John. Okay, Heather Wright, thank you for that. Those explosive job gains come as several hundred full-time and over a thousand part-time jobs will be lost as Bed Bath & Beyond winds down its Canadian operations in a last-ditch effort to save its American brand from bankruptcy. That means 54 stores will close, as well as 11 bye-bye baby locations. The company has struggled to balance its books after being decimated by the pandemic, and executives hope Canadian closures will help the brand restructure in the U.S. Coming up, Team Canada on strike. You know, saying that we're outraged is an understatement. Decorated champions demanding change. Plus, hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Previewing the commercials in the countdown to Super Bowl Sunday. Russia launched a new round of missile strikes today, lobbing more than 70 rockets at cities across Ukraine. <laughs> Emergency workers surveyed the damage after Ukraine's Air Force shot down 10 incoming missiles over Kyiv during the morning rush hour. It kicked off another day of Russian attacks on Ukraine's civilian infrastructure and power facilities. Ukrainian officials claim a long-awaited Russian offensive is now underway. Canada is among a group of 35 countries now demanding the International Olympic Committee ban Russian and Belarusian athletes from the 2024 Games in Paris. If the Olympic sports were killings and missile strikes, then you know which national team would occupy the first place. And Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky today addressed a virtual summit of sports officials, including Canada's Minister of Sport, Pascal Saint-Ange told the nation Russia has no place at the Olympics while its bloody invasion of Ukraine continues. The Canadian women's soccer team won gold at the last Summer Olympics, but now the players say they're going on strike. Despite their incredible success, they say the sports governing body is cutting their resources ahead of this year's World Cup and not giving them the same support as the men. TSN's Rick Westhead reports. Player first on it, falls and first time strike. Players on Canada's women's national soccer team are on strike because of pay equity issues and budget cuts. Saying that we're outraged is an understatement. There's not really words to describe how it feels to be 
here in camp with the national team and no, we don't, we are not being given the same resources. Uh, yeah, it, it hurts. I'm not going to lie. Um, we all represent this country proudly. Um, we've shared some of the greatest moments together, uh, but not, but to not feel that support from your own federation. Christine Sinclair and Janine Becky say the women's national team players have demanded the same 2023 budget that the men's national team had a year ago, with the national women's team players releasing a statement saying they were outraged and deeply concerned with the news of significant cuts, including fewer training camp days with fewer players invited and no home game in advance of this summer's World Cup. Canada Soccer said in a statement it has a proven track record of supporting women's soccer and pay equity for the women's national team is at the core of its ongoing player negotiations. So where does this leave us today? Uh, the Canadian national women's team is supposed to be taking the field against the United States in less than a week at the She Believes Cup. Will the team be training in the days moving forward? We arrived into camp uh, three days ago. Uh, we've trained the past two days. Um, some of us trained today with our, our shirts inside out. As a team, we've We've decided to take job action and from this moment on, we'll not be participating in any Canadian Soccer Association activities until this is resolved. The men's team who just played at the World Cup also had issues with funding from Canada Soccer and issued a statement in support of the women. Both the men and women want Canada Soccer to rip up its contract with a private company called Canada Soccer Business, which pays as little as $3 million a year in exchange for its media rights. That means none of the money from Canada Soccer's corporate sponsorships go to support the national team programs. Canada Soccer is bringing in these new shiny sponsors. Where's the money? Um, our budget's been cut smaller than it has ever been, I think, or at least in recent years. So it, as players, it just, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Rick Westhead, CTV News, Burlington, Ontario. Well, still ahead. The bargain buy is about to be sold for big bucks as a pair of roadside rarities go up for auction. Two treasured paintings by Nova Scotia folk artist Maude Lewis are set to go under the hammer tomorrow, and the sellers are expecting an eye-popping return on the investment. The works, horse-pulling logs and oxen in winter, were bought back in 1967 for just $12. They'll go up for auction in New Hamburg, Ontario, and could fetch $60,000 each. In the case of Maude Lewis, her popularity has snowballed. Her, the recognition of what she achieved... Lewis, who lived most of her life in poverty and had crippling rheumatoid arthritis, was known for selling colorful paintings on the side of a road, usually for just a few dollars each. A prized piece of memorabilia up for auction from the late basketball great Kobe Bryant has made history. This signed jersey worn by the Lakers legend sold for a whopping $5.8 million. He wore it during his only MVP season in 2007-2008, and it's now the second most expensive basketball jersey ever sold, bested only by Michael Jordan's 1998 Finals jersey, which fetched $10.1 million U.S. And a critically endangered critter found only in the forests of Madagascar 
has an adorable new family member tonight, thanks to a landmark conservation effort in Europe. This baby dancing lemur is the first to be born on the continent, and aside from being impossibly cute, conservationists hope the breeding program will keep such lemurs from going extinct. After the break, the trailblazing talents about to make Super Bowl history as the Eagles and Chiefs get set for a Sunday showdown. The 57th Super Bowl is gearing up to be one to remember with a couple of historic firsts. Never before have two brothers been on opposing sidelines. The Eagle star center, Jason Kelsey, is up, up against his brother, Travis, who is the Chiefs' tight end. Their mother clearly splitting her support. And that's not the only thing marking a first. CTV's Bill Fortier has more. The stage is set and the fans are starting to kick around with less than two days until the biggest day in North American sports. The Chiefs! Eagles! Eagles! Super Bowl 57 will make history as the first with two black starting quarterbacks as the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Kansas City Chiefs. You dream about it as a little kid when you're watching that Super Bowl parties? You get families and kids that save up all their money just to go to that one game. You definitely want to put on a show for them when they come. For some, the real on-field show happens at halftime. Superstar Rihanna performing for the first time since giving birth in May. When you become a mom, there's something that just happens where you feel like you could take on the world, you can do anything, and the Super Bowl is one of the biggest stages in the world. Canada will also be represented. Cree dancer Patrick Mitswing from Saskatchewan's Makwa First Nation will join American Indigenous performers during the game day program. To be part of this big platform to represent my people, my community is is such an honor. And of course, there's the much anticipated U.S. commercials. Home internet with a pain in the hey neighbor. This year, John Travolta croons a familiar tune with the stars of Scrubs for a T-Mobile ad. I can't believe it. It's just 50 bucks. Why pay more? Paying more sucks. For just dollars a day, you can help helpless animals. And Canada's Sarah McLaughlin pokes a little fun at herself. Wrong shelter, Sarah. While a couple of comedy legends hawk soft drinks. In a way, we never really stop acting. For example, Ben is acting right now like he's not intimidated standing next to me. The event is no joke to U.S. authorities, raising security to its highest level. So fans won't be the only ones watching. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. And you can watch the Super Bowl right here on CTV and TSN. Kickoff time, 6.30 Sunday. That's it for us tonight. I'm John Benavalli Rao for Omar and the rest of us at CTV National News. Thanks for watching. Sandy will be here tomorrow. Have a good night and a great weekend. CTV National News, Canada's number one newscast.